0: Hi, I'm Presence, I'm the host and you're listening to the Starts with Action podcast where we talk all about action. Whatever goal you might have, the only way to get there is to take action. Yet I know there are people out there who have goals who aren't taking action. And to me, action means so much more than just doing the thing. To me, action means being aware, confident, tenacious, having intention, being open and living in the present as in now. And you're about to listen to an amazing action taker, someone who isn't afraid to take action to get to where they want to be. And my goal for each episode is for you to increase your level of action. So let's get into the episode and don't forget to follow the podcast and leave a review after. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of It Starts With Action. And today I'm very grateful to get to talk to mindset coach, Matt. Matt, thank you so much for coming. And I have, yeah, so many questions about coaching and life life is just yeah i don't know what life is (laughs) but ask the let me know when you figure it out (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it'd be great to hear about your journey in terms of how how you you know how you decided that you wanted to go into mindset coaching because i know that before it wasn't that and you know a few different you know experiences realized you wanted to do coaching so um, it'd be great to hear hear how it all started
1: man first thanks I'm, i'm glad to be here but why did I want to become a mindset coach? You know, I think the name of it changed so many damn times. Um, I think the core unit is around like, how can I help people? <laughs> that was the main thing. Like, screw the title. It's just like, how can I find a way to help people, you know, both as a life purpose and as a career? So, how can I serve others utilizing any kind of raw talents and skills that I felt like I was born with? And Combined with the skills that I also learned with my education, you know, in the coaching world, too, and my experiences in life, most importantly, also. So, you know, mindset coach came out of it because, you know, that was like a current on trend type of thing because everyone and their mother was a life coach. But I do believe the power is definitely within our ability to be curious and our ability to seek perspective uh, and to also seek beyond ourselves um, for wisdom. Versus just kind of struggling internally the whole time. Coaches are 100% embraced when it comes to athletics. When you can't do a specific thing or a technique, or you can't hit a baseball, you know, you work with a coach. But what happens in life when you're struggling and you're not hitting the pitches? Why do we feel the need that we have to do it on our own? And so one of my core drivers is to make sure no one in this world feels alone. I think what I'm most known for now is you know, not just mindset, but how I've combined that into morning routines and the power of routines. So the catalyst that really happened was one, I've always been this way. I've had, it just took me a long time to own it. Like I've always had a servant's heart and a desire to lead and a desire to help, but it took me a long time to find a healthy relationship with that. And also the courage to really own it too, because, you know, as a kid, not everybody liked that side of me, the ability to see, you know, deep into somebody without them actually saying a word to have intuition. People think that's weird. Not everybody wants to be seen. So, you know, that led to being bullied and teased quite a bit for a while until I shut it down and just stopped accessing that part of myself for many, many years, Uh, many years. And I battled it ferociously in my 20s for sure. But I think, you know, outside of all the adversity and everything, the real thing is let's let's go back to the past five years. And I'll say, I think that's the part some people can relate to is that tug of war. Like now you're in this place where society says you've made it. You're in this place where society has said, this is what success looks like. You have a six figure income. You have a nice home. You have a great car. You have a family, you know, and you have a a career that's on the fast track right now. You know, you're in shape, you know, all of these things like, Society says, you've made it, this is it. This is what happiness is supposed to look like. You've met all the requirements, but why is it so many people like myself at that time, so many people I knew and I work with today are so unfulfilled and they feel like they're not enough. If society was right, why do people still feel like they're not enough and that they're still starving for something else? Mm. So that definitely kicked off a journey And so 2015 was the year when I became pretty ill. Um, I had been getting sick for years, but didn't really acknowledge how much it was snowballing over time. But by 2015, I must have been aware of something because I had the courage to finally go to coaching school and further my education. You don't have to. You don't have to go to school for this. But I chose to uh, because it was that important to me. You know, I put a a serious chunk of money that I didn't have at the time into that school and that education. And I did that in the fall of 14. So something was there and I was leaning into some fear and intuition to go for it while still working, you know, in my current job at the time, uh, my corporate career. And it wasn't until, Holy smokes, where are we? We're April six right now, seventh. I can't remember the six, it's the sixth. Um, and that means Four days from today, April 10th is the day that I made the phone call five years, uh, six years ago to, uh, to say that I was leaving my job Wow! and I was going on disability. Actually, I was very sick. I could no longer, it was no longer sustainable lifestyle for me. And I remember how much my hands shook holding the phone, like ready to dial the number. Cause I knew once I hit that button, like there was no turning back, mm. like there just wasn't. Was that was a huge turning point.
0: Was it because of working too hard, burning out? or
1: Ah, now I could say that the career in retail that I was in, you know, working for all these retail companies um, is what burned me out. Um, but I burned me out. I mean, I was traveling at my peak 26 nights a month, um, just nonstop retail. I love retail employees. I have so much love and empathy for them because they work, all the time i mean <laughs> there's no weekends or holidays off really it's just nonstop. stop it's it's a, a very thankless job at times too but i burned myself out i had zero boundaries and i had a strong addiction to praise i really ever since i was a kid i just fed off of it i know it's normal to appreciate a compliment but i was addicted to the way it made me feel you know even as a child you give me rewards give me uh praise give me uh uh, promotions pay raises all of that stuff like it just it filled some kind of emptiness but it almost as soon as it filled it, it it emptied just as quickly but that industry gave me praise and I never stopped working because well then I might stop getting praise so it drove me and it drove me more and you know I realized that um it was bottomless and I'd I'd lost myself in the process. I just forgotten who I was. And I went down many paths that I just um, not proud of. But also I burned myself out too, because I was praised for energy a lot. And I was starting to lose my energy. So I was drinking, especially from 25 to 30. I was drinking 15 cans of Red Bull a day. And I was um, heavily abusing Adderall. So I should be dead. Wow. Um, you know, and it led to severe suicidal thoughts and attempt, um, massive depression. I also had a, you know, I had a lot of different labels that doctors diagnosed me with, um, you know, but all of them were invisible, including depression, anxiety, um, a traumatic brain injury. I didn't even know I had from uh, years of high school football when I was a kid, just too many hits to the head that snowballed over the years, you know. By the time I found out about it, I mean, I'm like 36 when I found out I'm 40 now. Um, So yeah, all these things were invisible that just led up to this moment where all of my energy was now gone. My mental health had crumbled and I could no longer see myself working um, for other people because I was not in a great place. Like I just... For myself, I could do just fine. I could self-manage and I could handle that. But anybody else who saw me go through a breakdown of some sort, it was uh, it was easy to be judged because they couldn't see what was really going on. It just looked like I was an asshole. <laughs> so it was a big turning point, making that phone call and then deciding to go after this purpose and career that I had been waiting to pursue. And it already was kind of like had a foot in it by coaching some people already. But now I have a chance to either throw myself all in or just keep waiting for this perfect moment. And I'll tell you what, if anyone out there is waiting for the perfect moment, just get used to waiting. That's what's going to happen. You just get used to waiting. So I started this career with a negative bank account with a brand new house I just built, you know, an infant son. Uh, My wife's out of work and I'm sick. So let's build a business. Wow.
0: look at where you are now.
1: I know I'm in my closet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I didn't mean that, but okay. No,
1: I know. I know. Perceptions, everything. People are like nice little studio. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm in my closet. <laughs> so
0: resourceful. <laughs> That's cool. So how was it like in the very beginning building your coaching business? Then did you have any like, what were the challenges? mindset challenges that you had to overcome because i actually was talking to a new mindset coach the other day um and like she was saying you know i really i'm a mindset coach but the thing that's stopping me is my mindset
1: (laughs) isn't that true that's why coaches need coaches too um you know you shouldn't go at it alone even if you're a coach you need to have somebody in your corner too so even though i Felt like I was totally broken. Life. I still needed to invest in my own coach because I can't go out there charging people and not be willing to pay for it myself. It mm-hmm. Just seems hypocritical. So you know, I invested in having someone in my corner to help me combat those inner voices of you know limiting belief. And um, it started with really with focusing on uh, again routines, which is something I didn't embrace really until the past two years ago. The power of routines. But because I was battling so many different um, issues, I danced between this place of like feeling bulletproof and unsinkable to being a victim of my circumstances. I went back and forth. And I like to say that just to keep it real. There were so many times when I felt like just a total victim of everything that had happened to me. And I was blaming the career that I was in, I did blame you know, the concussions, and I did blame people that were toxic in my life. And um, I think my strongest moments when my career started to really thrive, and I started to thrive is when I let all of that garbage story go. And I took accountability for my own stuff. You know, and I understood the lessons and I understood the gifts in it, too. So that was a major thing. But here's the biggest thing I can say, is that when you're broke, and your back's against the wall, that's when you really discover how creative and resourceful you're naturally, you know, you naturally are. And every human being is. And you might doubt it, you know, there are people out there who doubt it. Well, I'm not a naturally creative person. I'm like, bullshit. Just no one's ever held you in a place to be creative. You've been rescued too many times. You've allowed yourself to be rescued. But if you weren't rescued, what would you do? Give up? Would you find a way out? Most people will find a way out. They get creative. I leveraged every free resource I could possibly find because I kept hearing these things like, well, geez, you know, can't be have a real business without a website, you know, or business cards or all this stuff. You can't have a business without a, a niche. You gotta have a niche. And I was like, screw all that in the beginning. I was like, I won't have a website. Can't afford one right now. And screw business cards. And I've got a LinkedIn page. I'll work with that. You know, and then people said, we can't make a living being a life coach. You got to do executive coaching and you have to do group work. That's where the real money is. One-on-one, you'll never do it. Screw that. I'm good at that. So I'm going to do it anyways. And I did, and it worked. And so I broke a lot of unwritten rules, but I did have that dialogue in my head that just said, like, we can't do certain things because societies hold us, even our own peers. You know, my own peers might say it sometimes. You can't do that. I didn't believe in any of it. This is my dream. This is my life purpose. Don't tell me the rules around my dreams. I was done with that stuff. So uh, I got super resourceful. LinkedIn was one of the biggest things that really helped me in the beginning because it was. It was a free platform to to share, contribute, and serve. 70% of my business came from there in the beginning. And so I was incredibly grateful for it. And I learned the power of storytelling. Um, I think... One major limiting belief that would show up from time to time was, how could you possibly be a mindset coach when your own mind can be a train wreck? And I was like, who am I? Who am I to do that? I've got issues. I have depression. You know, I've been all over the place in life. Then I was like, who am I not to be an expert in this category? I've lived it. I haven't just studied it. I understand it just because I might serve people through limiting beliefs and and mindset, um, (laughs) it doesn't mean that I don't battle through the same things myself. It just means that I have a few more tools in my tool belt and how to thrive through it. And that's what I love to serve people on. So I think it's important to keep it real than just show this perfect, shiny image of yourself that you've got it all together. How approachable is perfect and shiny for somebody who's experiencing limiting beliefs? Uh, It's not. So that was never my jam. And I had limiting beliefs around, am I supposed to have some kind of curriculum and handouts and tests, behavioral assessments people should go through? And I finally had to own that. I'm not this academic style coach. I'm more of a heart-centered coach that uses intuition, the thing that I fought and hid for so long and uh, and listens really intently. That it's not a one-size-fits-all for everybody. Um, I go with the dance of the energy what's there. So, but yeah, uh, I think it was routine that really helped me battle all of those limiting beliefs, because when you are at your best and healthiest self, you can combat that stuff, you won't be so vulnerable to those voices. So there were five things that I discovered that I had total control over. Because if I couldn't, control my health at that time that's what I believed I couldn't control what was actually going on I could control my sleep my prayer and meditation time my nutrition my fitness and my inner circle of friends I had total control over those five things so how could I possibly bitch about being sick if I'm eating garbage and not sleeping you know, or not doing any of those things, or if I'm surrounding myself with toxic people in my life, I cannot bitch or complain about any of my circumstances in life. It's just not right. There are no magic pills. You have to do the damn work. So Mm -hmm. that was really what set me kind of off on this new direction. And I will say this, even if you're desperate in life, if you act from a place of desperation, you will continue to fail miserably. And so I never built my business from a place of desperation. I always you know, was thoughtful about when it was time to say no to an opportunity or no to a potential client that didn't align with my values and the direction I was trying to take my business. So even though it was hard to turn down money or an opportunity, it would have come across as desperate and desperation always costs you more in the end. Mm.
0: So so many, so many questions popped up. Um, I guess can we talk about um yeah, I have so many questions, but let's talk about routine. So what kind of routine do you mean that really helped you? And how can, you know, I guess this time, I mean COVID in the UK was still yeah. close to close close to end of lockdown, fingers crossed. But um, you know, COVID has really like routine what's routine (laughs) i don't know anyone really had like a proper routine including myself so yeah do you have any tips and why is it so important you think
1: so important like let me tell you uh disciplines and routines are monotonous and ridiculously boring sometimes but they are what help you live an extraordinary life it's training it's it's a discipline it it, they are the things that will bring out the best in you it's about having the discipline to major in the minor details of life, not just the big things. You know, it's what's going to make life sustainable for you and fill your cup every day. So, routines became incredibly important for me, especially uh, it was two years ago in December uh, of 2020 when I started becoming a morning person. And I did it publicly, I documented the whole thing. You can see the article on my, uh, my LinkedIn profile. Um, and it was the birth of this program called Atomic Mornings, which I wouldn't actually name it that until like, really, it was the summer of 2020, the spring of 2020, when I finally named it. But it was this idea of like, what would life be like if I woke up every morning at 430? Now, for everybody, you pick your own damn number. 430 is not for everyone. Um, I chose that number myself for several reasons. But I said, okay. Okay. I'm uh, tired of sleeping into the last second and I would sleep into the last second mainly because uh, I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to start my day. I was anxious and I was depressed at times and getting out of bed just means, especially early, just meant I had more time to be with my feelings and I didn't want to do that necessarily. So I started getting up early and facing that and creating time for myself And I used it not to fill my day with more work, but I used it to fill my morning with just time for me. And it was so freaking beautiful. And I started becoming way more productive during the day. Uh, I finished my day a lot sooner because I was more efficient. I was way more creative. I ditched the lie and myth that I'm I'm creative at night. Oh, I stay up late because I'm more creative at night. Mm. That's such a load of crap for myself because I'm creative all the time. It's just about when do I create time for creativity? I was doing it at night, but now I was doing it in the morning and I was watching that creativity build momentum as I got more awake. So morning routines became huge for me, but here's where it saved my life. Now, by the time 2020 happened, I'd been training for that crap for a long time. And that's why summary of 2020 was one of the best years of my life, including having some pretty crazy adversity. At this time last year, I was separated from my wife and my son for three months. They had gone for a trip up north to Maine. Um, I was here in Austin, Texas still. They went to go see our family. And then the pandemic hit and quarantine happened. And it was not possible for me to travel to them. Uh, And they couldn't travel to me. I already had not the best immune system in the world um and it was just too risky plus my son we're in they're they're in Maine where we're from and it's there's nobody there they're in the mountains there's like literally no one around he can't see the virus if he wanted to it's just not not around him he's playing in the snow you know he was six years old at the time it would have been selfish to want him back here you know in Austin where everything was quarantined you know the world stood still for those three months right not just one place everything did and so routine helped me through a very challenging time where I'm alone, you know, during that time period, unaware of when my family will ever come home again or what's going to happen next. Cause things are so unpredictable. Routine really helped me going. Plus the inner circle of friends was big too. Like waking up early in the morning and I struggled with it at times. Cause it was like, what's the purpose of things right now? Um, But I also allowed myself to do a lot of nothing. It was kind of nice. I saw a lot of people stress about what they should do with that time. I felt the need to not do a lot. I didn't want to miss out on the experience of the whole thing, of being quarantined and the earth standing still. I didn't want to make myself so busy that I missed out on history. So weird, but it was pretty crazy. So I was ready for that. But what would really happen is I got COVID in uh, December of this, of 2020. Mm-hmm. And I got a bad. We decided to also use this year to go see some national parks and travel and stay away from people. We just got in our Jeep. We drove and we stayed away from everybody. We sanitized hotel rooms. Um, we did everything we could. We wore our masks uh, and I still got sick. No one in my family did, but I got sick on the last week of the trip. So December 10th is when I went to the hospital for the first time and massive fever to sum up that part. It went from, it was four hospitals and two urgent cares that I visited trying to get home from Flagstaff, Arizona to Austin, Texas with this thing and just keeping myself as isolated as possible in my vehicle. Um, But trying to transport me home was a challenge. And so by the time I get back, I'm being treated for pneumonia, not necessarily COVID. And because it's not 100% whether I have COVID or not. I had tested negative twice and one positive out of 48 hours, three tests, 48 hours, two negatives, one positive. The positive I got has been known to be 70% accurate. So they were like, well, but you definitely have pneumonia. I was like, all right, cool. But by December 20th, all the antibiotics were out and my lungs, I could barely breathe. My wife was like, we gotta take you to the hospital. And they said my pneumonia had exploded and taken over both lungs. And I was definitely COVID positive now. And I was at risk of going on a ventilator at that moment. Um, I, my oxygen was fading very fast and I was in serious trouble and they rushed me to critical care where I spent 10 days um, up there on high flow oxygen, a couple IVs in me. Um, but routines, it was the first morning waking up in that hospital room all by myself. I had this huge room with floor to ceiling windows, uh, two of them net back to, next to each other. And I saw the sunrise. It was like such a blessing to have my room facing east you know, where the sun would rise first. And it was just like, it was the most gorgeous view of the sunrise. I'm on the seventh floor and I'm like, holy cow. I was like, this is the first thing I can control. Mm -hmm. I can't move really. I feel like I've been hit by a truck, but I can watch that damn sunrise every morning. So every day I knew I'd be there a minimum of five days because I had to be on a remdesivir treatment. And I was like, I wake up and I will watch the sunrise. And I don't care if I fall asleep afterwards, but that sunrise is a gift. And I'll watch it. And then the next day, there was a recliner by the window. And I asked them to help me get to it. And they put me in the recliner. And I said, every day, I will be in that chair until and then I will not be in the bed unless I'm sleeping. So put me in that chair and put me by the window. And they did that for me every day. And then I asked my wife, you can't have visitors, but she could drop stuff off downstairs. So she dropped off clothes for me. And I said, I'm no longer wearing hospital clothes because I plan on getting out of here. So I wear, I would wear regular clothes. Uh, it was a pain in the ass to get them on, but I did, but I would sit in that chair and I would listen to music and I just started tapping into things that were my values and creating these mini routines. I will not eat junk food. I will eat low carb, low sugar, high proteins, and I will drink as much water as possible, uh, and I like ginger ale too. So I had lots of that <laughs> um, because that's what hospitals have. And, uh, and I just did whatever I could to keep a positive mindset. Now here's, here's the cool, like this has nothing to do with COVID. If anyone's listening to so this. I don't want any damn sympathy for this. What I want people to understand is that there are, there are uh, ways you can compare this to your own life though. And it's not about COVID. What, what was interesting was kind of the real life metaphor almost of like this magic pill idea like remdesivir is the drug that's being pumped into my, my veins at that time to try and kill this thing. Uh, and, you know, it's a five day treatment. I could just rely on that to do the work. Like, all right, this thing's going to kill this thing. I'm going to sit here and just let it just let it work and just kind of veg away. But I was like, screw that. Like, I need to stack the deck I think that's my phrase for 2021 is stack the deck and that's like i'm gonna i'm gonna make that drug work even more for me because i'm gonna put myself in the best possible shape i can be for this i will be by this window where i feel connected to the outside world i will make phone calls to people i love and care about you know even though it takes the wind out of me to talk you know i will eat healthy. I, I was like, hey, like, does the hospital have a chaplain? Can they give me a call too? Like, I was like, I need everybody in my corner here. Mm-hmm. I, I learned how to ask for help. I learned how to receive help. I put my regular clothes on. You know, I was doing breathing exercises. I was lifting, I was doing leg raises in my chair sometimes just without weights, just something to keep moving, you know, and whatever it took other than just rely on that bag of drugs to do all the work. I had plans to get the hell out of there. And so I was determined. And then towards the end, I started writing. You know, I had my music plan. At night, I would, of all things, try and sing. I love singing, like that's a passion of mine. You know, and when quarantine hit, there were no more open mic nights. And so, but with my lungs completely trashed, like how can you sing? I didn't care. Like I thought, what a great way, instead of that weird breathing machine I had to keep pumping into for exercises, I could try and sing. And the game was, I had to slow, whatever I had to do was I had to be able to maintain pitch and not lose my breath at the same time. So I'd have to maybe sing a song super, super slow or in a totally different key, but just any way I could to keep it going. And man, it started to like strengthen my lungs to a point where like, You know, some nurses were like, how can you do that right now? Like, that's not normal. Like, your oxygen levels are still super poor. (laughs) And every time I'd stand up, they'd collapse too. You know, they would drop. And that's what kept me there so long. But routine, 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 and sticking to these things that filled me up, like, changed the game. And it's what got me out of that hospital. And it's what's got me back now to just feeling, like, amazing again. You know, and I was doing that with two slip discs in my neck at the same time, one pinching against my spinal cord, you know, that was creating outrageous pain, but it didn't matter. Like nothing was going to be a magic pill, just like all the work I've been doing before in life. I'm responsible for my own recovery. I'm responsible for my own success in life, you know, and there are some pills that come along the way, metaphorically speaking. You know, whether it comes in the form of software, a business partner, you know, more education, medicine, you know, that can come along the way, but you can't rely on it to do all the work. You got to stack the deck and you got to get in. it. So that's how I got my ass out of COVID and kicking ass again today. And I prepared for that thing for years. It took years of training. To be ready for this pandemic year, and again, that's why my business had the best year ever, and personally, I just thrived.
0: Like I can imagine how number one how painful and hard it must have been to get through it, but also how much like how like setting up the routine is the, I said the easy part, but really actually doing it, actually sticking to it. Like, what's the difference between people who, who really do stick to it in the long run and those who, like, stick to it and then just get off track?
1: Sustainability is everything. And that's honestly why Atomic Mornings was birthed, was this idea of, uh, you know, what would it look like if you committed 15 minutes every morning with another human being for some intense one-on-one coaching? You know, about how you want to start your day. What do you feel like? What do you want to be intentional about? You know, and how will you create a wind down routine at night to honor it? You know, how can we take all the things that you've ever wanted to do in life? I want to go to the gym more. I want to eat healthy. I want to read more. All right, well, let's see how willing you are to do it. Will you get up early with me? Will you reallocate time from the nights to the mornings? to do this. And the transformations have been ridiculously awesome. You know, and it does take a high achieving mindset to do this. You have to already have that in you. And you you probably are someone who has tried and failed, tried and failed, tried and failed and numerous times. Guess what? If you're that person who's been in that cycle and you're still trying and failing, then definitely I want to help because at least you already have the mindset that something's not working and you need to find a better way. And that's why you're relentless as hell to go after it. But sometimes it just takes one person in your corner that can hear something that you're not saying or hear something that you know you don't hear and call some stuff out, give some new perspective, but also encourage you to not only be accountable, but to show yourself some self-love and grace which is something a lot of us humans, myself included in the beginning, wasn't good at doing. How can I show myself any grace for failing or any self-love whatsoever? You know, I want people to experience what grace and self-love feels like through a process that's challenging and learning something new. And also keeping it very simple. You sign up, you want to do a morning thing with me, I'm not going to tell you, okay, great, well, this time, we check in, and then immediately after that, you need to have a workout, and then you need to meditate, and then you need to read, and then you need to do this, and then check your email. Shit. No. We're, we're already duplicating what life looks like. <laughs> like. It's like when I was in the hospital. I didn't decide everything I was going to do when I woke up on morning one. I saw an opportunity. I woke up, and I said, well, that's an awesome sunset sunrise. I want that. Every morning I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna have that. And I had nothing else planned other than that. And it just so happened the next day, I thought of something else. I was like, I want that too, you know? And I let it organically happen. So when I'm doing the same work with other people, they're like, you know, morning one, like, what should I be doing? I'm like, today, nothing. I just want you to be present and celebrate the fact that you're awake. That's awesome. Just be awake. And it's so weird what happens when people get what they want. And then all of a sudden, they feel really weird. I've always wanted time for myself. I've always thought about waking up early. And then they're, they're doing it. They're up early. And they're like, this is weird. I'm going to go back to bed. You know, <laughs> it actually doesn't get weird until you do it on a weekend. That feels weird. Like, why am I up this early on a weekend? Um, but man, it feels so powerful when you start doing it. The pandemic was the same. When people got quarantined, you know, long people have been asking for, I just wish I had more time with my family. I wish I could work from home. I wish I yeah, could do all these things. And then they got it. Yeah. They were like, ah, <laughs> like, what do I do? It was amazing. Some people lost their commute and they didn't know what to do. They lost their commute to work. And they were like, I hate my commute to work, but I, I can't shower now that I don't have it. I don't, I don't know how to take care of myself. Like, the, like their routine got broken and they crumbled.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want this this is a healthy routine, and I want you to learn how to adapt with it too. so when something doesn't go your way, when life happens, you still find a way to adapt and adjust and still fill your cup so yeah that's the that's the important part about that for me, and I've been able to combine what I've learned from as you know being an expert in mindset to now shifting that to- you know being an expert in morning routines and also helping people. Take that mindset coaching work that I've done in the past and just combine that all into one, and I think that's what's made it special. Plus, an element of play. Not everything has to be all deep and serious all the time. And tell me about your feelings, but it can also have an element of play in it. You know, you can joke around. It's okay to laugh and smile. Damn it, we need more play in our lives.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Um, like something I observed from most of my guests on the podcast: two things is they have confidence and they really do follow the intuition and i feel like this is something that's kind of a struggle that a lot of people have Is just yeah like what well, like we touched on before the self-love aspect and feeling like you're good enough like genuinely mm-hmm. feeling that you're good enough like is do you now feel like you genuinely feel good enough and if you know if do you have any tips on how to how to truly start to believe in yourself
2: yeah for yourself what is it like to trust your intuition? Me? Yeah. Oh, uh, this is something I'm still working on. I
0: think it's just it's just the feeling that my gut tells me to do something. Um, and it I go and do it, and it feels like I'm in flow. Whereas when I don't go and do it, and I do something else, and I feel a lot of resistance, but I still do it. Mm. I just keep doing it, but I keep feeling the resistance as I do it. Does that make sense? I don't know.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm still, I'm so. even that. when you I'm doubt it, you still them. push
1: through and do it even with the resistance.
0: As in like my intuition tells me to do something that I want to mm. do, but it's not something that I think people around me would want me to do. Or, you know, or so, logic.
2: Yeah. Says it's you like, shouldn't.
0: My logic tells me sh- I shouldn't. So I go and do the thing that my logic tells me to do, but then uh. my gut tells me like the motivation is gone. I don't feel alive when I'm doing the thing. I still do it because my logic's telling me to do it. But then when I, it, when I get to a point, where I get fed up and I go and follow the intuition yeah. part. It just feels a lot easier,
2: I guess.
1: Isn't that true? That's exactly it. What would it be like if you continued to listen to your intuition? Because how often has it been wrong?
0: Mm, like you don't know what's wrong or what's right. I guess it's like there's always this. The fear to follow your gut.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Your intuition is never wrong. What it's really about might be different. So if your intuition, if your gut says there's something there, there's something there. Whether or not it's that thing you picture is actually it or not, that might be different. But it is saying it's a call to adventure, where it is saying, come explore with me. You know, there's something for us over here. It might not make sense, but we should go over there and check it out. I don't know why, but it's this weird thing. We should go look at it. Mm-hmm. What's the harm in actually going to look? It's just whether or not you can't just be attached to what it specifically is, because then you kind of get into this place of judgment. You know, oh, it's definitely this. I need to go after that. And all that needs to happen is you need to be wrong about that. And then your limiting beliefs say, see? can't trust that feeling but instead if you go into a curiosity saying i wonder what this is if it says that i should be doing that i'll go check it out but if it's not that then what is it you be relentless about it i'll do the same thing with human beings i'll say it sounds like you're trying to do this and they'll say no that's not it at all and i'm like them what is it because there's something here what do you think it is
2: and then all of a sudden we stumble upon it it's just being relentless
1: on the idea that it's definitely something, but we don't know what. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like every time you, you fight it, you're right. Peace of you hurts, it hurts. It's like your own self, your best version of yourself just feels disappointed. You know, like, why didn't you trust us? You know, why? why are we doing this? What's the point? This is, this just, this sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, so to truly feel alive, you lean into what your intuition is saying. And you remember it's never wrong. You just have to be very curious about it.
2: Mm.
1: And so, and that will defy logic every single time. I feel like it so,
0: ties all together. Like to be able to follow intuition ties into believe, like the ability to trust yourself. And the, the ability yeah. to trust yourself ties into feeling like you're enough.
1: Mhm. Yeah, because you are enough. It's other people who will make you in situations that'll make you feel like you're not. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with challenging yourself to be more, but to sit there and say I'm not enough is an absolute lie. Mm-hmm. And if you find yourself always striving to be enough, then you never will be. Can you just actually accept where you are first and then where can we go from here? you know, is the real journey. And I think that's the other reason why, you know, atomic mornings became so important is because a lot of people that are coming my way were just feeling like they're not enough. And they even felt guilty about having time for themselves in the morning. I feel like I should be working. Maybe I should be cleaning the house or something. Like I, you know, who am I to take time to do anything that brings me joy? Yet they're raising children where they're trying to encourage that.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so we have to somehow find a way to reconnect with ourselves and learn to love ourselves again and learn to give ourselves some grace maybe forgiveness for the mistakes that we've made and no longer let that be a chip on our shoulders to not trust ourselves because if you can't trust yourself then you're just relying on everybody
2: else in life to make sure that you're doing the right thing Mm -hmm. you know you'll always live a safe life and people say hey
1: sometimes a self you know safe life there's nothing wrong with that um there's definitely less risk in it you know you can live a happy self-life absolutely but you might not live like a fulfilled life you might not live the life that you are designed to live and so there's a lot in there that can't be covered necessarily in one conversation but I will say like it starts with self love and intuition. And learning the difference between the best version of yourself and what that sounds like and your limiting beliefs. Mm. Two separate voices. And sometimes limiting beliefs are a sneaky bastard that sound like logic. We don't have time. We don't have money. You know, we don't have the education, the resources. Who are we to do that? I guarantee you, if I dug deeper into it with every single person, we'd find that the real lie is, you know, the real
2: truth is fear not logic.
0: Yeah, so how the question is, so so how do you know when it's logic and when it's fear, when it's limiting beliefs?
1: Well you hire me. <laughs> 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 you know, uh, Everyone? Well it does help I don't care if people hire me or not, like mm-hmm. I'd prefer that you do, but what's important is is that it is nice to have someone in your corner. Like getting somebody in your corner that is actually like friends are great, but you got to make sure they're the right friends. The friends that are non judgmental are like truly there for you and would support your dreams, but also not, you know, going to ask the tough questions. Like they're also willing to ask you questions that might piss you off, you know, because they love you and they care about you, but they're not judgmental. They're just asking the questions because that's what I do. You know, I'm going to ask questions from a place of non judgment but I'm going to read my own intuition about you. And I might see or hear things that you don't. You know, you can't always catch that stuff. And if you're trying to coach yourself in your own head, sometimes you might not like the version of you that's coaching you. Like it could be your own limiting beliefs trying to coach you. So, you know, how do you know if it's really logic or not? You know, one way you can work through it is like, okay, well, if I did have all the money in the world and I could I could afford this, well, then what? And I find a lot of people will now make up a new excuse. You know, Uh, I did that as an example once with somebody who said they really wanted to work with me and they were in such a hard time in life. And, And this was early on in my career. And I said, okay,
2: I'll make it so you can, money won't be a problem.
1: Money won't be an issue. If that's your problem, so it won't be an issue. We'll find a way. You'll have some skin in the game, but just anything. You choose your number, anything you want. Well, you know, it's really about like just the time right now. I just don't think it's the right time. Maybe when things settle down and aren't less crazy, I could do this. And I'm like, no one comes to work with me when life's perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. like you're here because shit's crazy. Mm -hmm. So I tell you what, what if I open up my availability and you can work with me anytime you want? like, pick a time outside of my, my normal hours. I'll do that for you. You do that for me? Yeah. You know, I just don't want to be a burden. Like, I feel like I'm taking advantage of you. And it just, ah, I, it just doesn't feel time. And I'm like, see, that's, and it proved it to me. I was like, see, this is all bullshit. This isn't, these aren't real logical fears. It's just fear. You're afraid. Like, and, you know, and I said, I sense that you're afraid of being better. I think you're afraid of going on this journey. I was like, what is it about your own success you're afraid of? They were like, what? (laughs) What an absurd thing to say. Why would I be afraid of success? You know, what is it about your own happiness you feel like you don't deserve? And that's where it gets into people know once you start asking powerful questions, they know that they're going to unearth some shit along the way that they might not want to deal with yet that in order to get to that place of higher self to like really kicking ass in life you might have to dig through some crap you didn't want to see again you know and it's not as scary as you think it's really temporary mm-hmm. so you can hide from that stuff all you want and live behind logical fears and yes i will say because there's going to be an extremist out there that says well my situation's different and yeah i know yours is but if it- at the end of the day, it's probably not. If you want to give me a call, I'll help you figure that out. Um, But there are some logical things where absolutely, it's not the right time. Absolutely not the right time. And it's probably not the right time because it's not the right time for you up here. And that's why I'm so willing to say, perfect. When it's time for you, let's do this. Let's do this. Because, and there have been times two years later, someone's come back and they're like, I'm ready. And I'm like, That's awesome. Like, you know, like that's amazing that you've spent two years preparing for this moment for your life. And that's when it's ready. You can't force it. You know, I can't make you believe. You just got to be ready to ask questions and be willing to dive deep. So, for people looking to go there, just start asking yourself some questions, but then like have somebody else ask you some questions.
2: Mm.
1: You know, bring something to the table, but be willing to be
2: vulnerable and put it all out there
0: yeah I ask a lot of questions, but like when I try i guess how do you i don't know encourage other people to to face the not face the truth, but like when you see something that you think that you know they need to hear like that's the truth but then they they always try to avoid it, like go like just yeah make the excuses, but you really want to kind of let them see because you know it will help them how How do you talk to people in a way? That's not like slapping them in the face. This is the truth. (laughs) This is Mm. what's happening. Um, Like with kindness and just like trying to help.
1: It still comes from a place of intuition and not judgment. Mm. And that's why I always lead with, you know, I don't ever start. I rarely would ever say something like, well, you're this. Mm. You're afraid. That's judgmental.
2: Mm. And I
1: wouldn't lead with, "Well, well, why do you feel that way? That's also feels judgmental. Why questions always feel judgmental. And like, you're already on the defense, you know, when somebody says, well, why do you like that? Why would you do that? She's like, well, I do it this way. <laughs> and so uh, I explore with people and I will say things like, I'm just getting the sense that you're lying to yourself.
2: Like, how does that connect? What's true about that? You know? Uh, and yeah,
1: I might say like, it just sounds like, yeah, it, it just sounds like you just really are more comfortable with complaining about your situation than you are about doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've always told potential clients up front, I'm willing for you to fire me. Like, I'll always be willing to be fired by you. I will hold space for you to be emotional and share your like, deepest feelings and, and cry with me. like And you can be raging angry with me. You can feel however you want but I will also be bold enough and courageous enough to say what I'm also feeling, even if I think like, man, this could get me fired by saying this, but I'm sensing something. And just like you, if you don't act on what you're sensing, the resistance, how loud that gets, right? Your body gets louder and louder and louder. And so I have to say it or else I won't be able to pay attention to what the client's saying anymore. It'll be so loud in my head. So finally I just have to articulate it. And that's usually where the biggest breakthroughs happen. And I've had sometimes people just like say how pissed off they were at me for for that moment. And I even then I don't defend myself. I just ask, well, I was like, well, what was it about it that really got you upset? And then it really came down to not me. It was just like, you asked a question I just didn't want to hear. I was like, awesome. Well, now that you did, like, what should we do with it? you know? And so that's where we start diving into some stuff, but yeah, I'm not afraid to like hit somebody with a bag of bricks. They're not my bricks. They're yours. I'm just like giving them back to you, you know, like, Hey, I found these. (laughs) And so now that we have those, maybe we can do something about it or else why did you pay all this money to work with me? If you're not willing to like do this. Mm -hmm. And so again, I do it all from a place of love and grace, but there is a time to be fierce and courageous and just put the mirror back up. And so I think that really serves. And, uh, it's a fine line. It's a really fine line, but I'm okay with people being upset because I I lay that out ahead of time.
0: What do you think makes a coach actual good, great coach compared to there's so many coaches out there. What, what makes an actual
2: good
1: coach? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Well, I
2: guess I could say, all right. I'm confident enough to say
1: that I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good at what I do. I don't try to be good at it, though. I heard somebody say that a long time ago in the coaching school I was at. I heard them say to another student, stop trying to be a good coach. And I was like, what a cool line. Because I could tell what she meant was stop trying so hard. It's distracting you from being present. Like when you're sitting there saying, what? powerful question when i ask them like oh i hope i'm impactful i hope i oh i hope they don't question why they're paying me now all the limiting now you gotta call your coach because you're a disaster um and so it's the same limiting beliefs show up so you have to stop trying to be good and just allow yourself to be naturally gifted like you are and just be present with this human being and you're gonna kill it like great coaches understand that being present with another human being without judging them can sometimes be the already greatest gift you could offer another human being. Where you could say anything you want to from me and I'm not going to judge you. How many people do you have in your inner circle that you can do that with? Where you feel like you're truly not going to be judged or have that held over you. Like in some capacity. And I think that's such a gift to be able to do that for another human being human beings. So I think great coaches understand that I also think great coaches understand that they're not consultants. Consultants tell you what to do based off their experience, you pay me to tell you exactly what works and how to do it. And how to get there. Great coaches understand that it's the art of powerful questions. And being present with somebody to
2: help them achieve their goals is what it's all about. Uh,
1: I think great coaches also understand their expertise. There's a lot of generalists out there. And I think there's power in generalists too. Um, I had a great conversation about that earlier. Um, It's great to be, I think, a generalist in your own life because you can do all these types of different things through curiosity and dabble in all these different hobbies and activities. But as a coach, uh, if I, you know, used to what I would say is I'm just a life coach and there's like, yeah, millions and millions of them. And it's just like, how the hell, like, why, why me? You know, but. Now that I've, you know, really done the work to establish myself as an expert in morning routines, now people know specifically what it is that I do and how I can serve. And that makes it easy to find your people and for your people to find you as a great coach, you know, is to have some kind of thing that eventually you've been able to land some sort of expertise on um, because they know immediately what kind of offer you can value you can offer. And that's why I really, I did start focusing on mornings a lot. And I still balance my my mindset coaching in there, and I've you know still had people say you should just stick to one thing, and I'm I'm working on that too. But I've learned how to marry the two in there, where I can do these morning routines with people, and then also you know have some one on one coaching outside of that with them too to dive even deeper into the work. So I think those are some big things, you know. Again, one the ability to ask powerful questions uh, versus just giving answers and rescuing people. So understanding the difference between coaching and consultants um, and what a therapist is, too. Those three things are important to decipher. Uh, And the other thing, too, is uh, being able to not be a good coach. Understand what that actually means. And, you know, the other one, too, is, is just understanding where are you becoming an expert? Like, what are people drawn to? Can you actually articulate what the hell it is you do? You know, that's the biggest thing
2: I, you know, when, when coaches
1: come to me and they're just like, well, what I'm good at is I use intuition. And I help people transform. I'm like that sounds very pretty and shiny. Those are just nice words. What the hell does that mean? Transform and in intuition and vulnerability and authenticity. They're just buzzwords. It's SEO floating all over the internet, you know, to show up in a Google search. What the hell does it actually look like? Great coaches should be able to articulate what it is they do and how they serve others and their clients. Great coaches, honestly, don't have to say anything, really. Their clients can say all of it for them. Great coaches, honestly, yeah, I just figured that out just saying it out loud. So now, (laughs) uh, you know. That's the power of being able to speak out loud to another human being. Um, But yeah, I think great coaches really don't have to say anything. Their clients will say all of it. Great coaches don't need to sell. Because again, the work does itself. The work that you put out there speaks for itself. There's nothing wrong. I'm going to say too, there's nothing wrong with having a relationship with sales and marketing. You need that for any business. But I can't go out there and sell this to people because then... What's the point if I'm trying to sell it to you? It needs to be like you need to be sold. You need to be already drawn to it. Now you just got to find who's the right fit for you, who aligns with your values, not who's just said to be the best, but do they even align with who you are?
2: So, yeah.
0: So, but yeah, i go. I know a little run over, but it would be great to ask a few more questions because um, I really like talking to you. Um, in terms of va- like values, yeah, like what are your values, and how do you think? Because I think I remember reading one of um, your posts saying how people aren't, most people don't really, you know, live up to their values or something like that.
1: I think most people don't understand what their values are, mm. um, or if they do. You know, uh, They've been values that have been defined by others. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Again, society's values. These are the things that you should enjoy in life and love in life. This is how you should dress, walk, and talk. Um, These are how many kids you should have, all this stuff. Um, When you don't know what your values are and those values tanks feel empty, when you're running low, you will fill those tanks with crap that doesn't belong there. And it's all out of desperation to feel some kind of fulfillment, some kind of aliveness, some kind of emotion other than the hamster wheel that you're on. And it's dangerous if you don't know what goes in there. And that's where people put in alcohol, pornography, food, you know, shopping, you name it, video games. It could be anything, actually. It could be going to the gym. That's what could be healthy, but going to the gym all the time to escape your emotions, not to express your emotions. you know. And the quickest way to know that they don't belong there is how do you feel after? And if the feeling is shame, then that's definitely not a value. Mm. So for me, I have values around music, where every time I play guitar or sing music, jam out with my little boy, I don't feel any regret or shame afterwards, even if I didn't sound good. You know, I feel amazing. I feel more creative. I feel more uh like i've expressed my own emotions in a very effective way and it's cleared my head out i can write better like why wouldn't i want to invest some time into that you know uh, i have a value around nature being outside that's what got me close to that window in the hospital was i have a value of nature i can't be hiking a mountain right now but i can at least sit here and look at the outside world and appreciate it So just taking a little bit of time to be outside every day. I woke up at 4.30 this morning and I was outside and I had a little fire going and I'm sitting outside in the, you know, in the dark with some, you know, like cafe lights that I had over the, over the backyard and just like, this is perfect. You know, this is the perfect start to my day, you know? And so what that does again for me, makes me present and grounded you know it all of these values evoke the best version of myself so i can bring that into my day as fuel and use that to continue to charge forward so I, the expression i use is the world gets the best of me and not what's left of me so i got to fill the tanks in order for me to help fill everybody else's and i get to choose who gets what part of me i get to choose who i allocate my energy to it is a privilege for somebody in this world to get your energy and it's your choice who you choose to give that to so yeah there are a lot of exercises i do with people around values but you got to know what those things are and there's at least three to five of them
0: so the way to gain clarity over it is to like see how you feel
1: see how you feel but you know what even better go back in time into a life when you felt like everything was perfect think of a snapshot in time in your life when you felt like anything was possible I guarantee you most of your values were alive and well in that moment. Maybe it was a simpler life. Maybe you were traveling more. You know, maybe you had this this kick-ass group of friends in your life. You were writing, you were journaling, you were taking pictures, you know, you name it. But what did you forget along the way in life? What did you leave behind? What did your logic tell you? That's just stupid. We don't have time for that anymore. Mm.
2: What did it cost you when you let it go?
0: it like costs you game. That's how one. Um last question that I ask every guest on the podcast is what well, we touched on it a few times is what does your next best version of yourself look like and how do you plan to get there?
2: He's
1: ripped. Yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> trying to do my COVID comeback right now, uh strength training. Um but the best version of myself I think it's just the continued version that's no longer being allowed to be, uh, no longer being defined by, you know, my past and the story, being able to separate myself from that. And I've gotten very, very good at that. But, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes in life. Um, I've strayed off the path severely at times. And instead of focusing on the shame from that, I can focus on how proud I am that I did the work to get back every time, you know, and that is develop more tools on how to overcome that.
2: In today's culture, I should be canceled, like many times over, (laughs) canceled. But
1: I've never stopped doing the work. And I do this work for other people, too. To let them know that there there are chances in life, you can keep coming back. Like, don't stop, don't give up. Take accountability for your actions. Don't live in that story. Don't you don't have to feel that shame forever. And I feel like sometimes when we get into these cancel cultures, we let people we condemn them into a lifetime sentence of shame and punishment. And I'm like, who the hell are any of you to do that? You know, but granted, there are some very hateful things out there that people have done. And, but again, who are we to condemn someone from what we've seen on the outside and from what we've read, you know, it just feels unreasonable. <laughs> and uh, almost as if we're condemning people for the things that we don't like in ourselves. How's that for some deep shit? <laughs> but um,
2: <laughs> but yeah
1: best version of myself that I'm growing into is just this version that really owns everything. And I'm proud of every part of the journey, even the parts that I wasn't. I'm very grateful for all of it. And if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) I wish none of it had happened. I just wish I had all the lessons and breakthroughs. I think that's the most honest thing. Yeah. Anyone who says like, oh, I would do it all over again. I'm like, you lying bastard. Like, no, I would love to have all of this knowledge and experience without any of the pain and suffering. But that's just not how it works. So what I can say is I am very grateful that I had the wisdom and clarity and people in my life that I had to seek out that helped me get to where I am today. So the best version of me,
2: gosh, this is the simplest way I could say it is to just continue to learn to dream bigger. That's it.
0: That's really inspiring. And so like, what do you mean by dream bigger? So what's the next (laughs) dream?
1: Dreaming bigger, what that means to me is to continue to make dreams that make me want to throw up in my mouth when I say them out loud, or um, because every time I thought this, something was a dream, it turned out to be so easy to achieve. You know, so, you know, A dream for me is like to be able to have like literally a a firm of coaches underneath me that are working with all types of different people and walks of life. You know, making atomic mornings as big as possible, so I can help connect with as many human beings as as I can to be able to help them. You know, create a more intentional day. Because who would we be if more people were waking up with intention? And who would we be if more people were overcoming their limiting beliefs? and we're going out there and embracing the ideas that they have and expressing their gifts in this world, what would be possible? You know, you imagine if Elon Musk had been so deeply insecure that he didn't do anything like where the world would be, you know, any major innovator, you know, where would we be if just they allowed, you know, limiting beliefs to cripple them? Imagine what ideas have been lost because somebody was too insecure to say something. So, You know, I want to put that to rest as much as I possibly can. I think that's my big goal in life. And I I want to do it through the power of these routines and the power of mornings. I'm learning to embrace it more and more and more every day, too, because I'm like, holy cow, I'm learning so much from this. Mm -hmm. So I'm still understanding what it means to dream big. And I think what that is, is just like, as I find myself becoming complacent with things in life, not content, but complacent. Uh, that's when I'm like, I need to dream even bigger now and figure out what that is.
0: Never stop dreaming bigger. (laughs) It was great to talk to you. And yes, there's one question I do again, ask everyone is what do you hope listeners will take action on after listening to the episode and how can they find you?
1: Fantastic. Um, When is this going to air? Um,
0: next,
1: week. next week okay cool well, then you're gonna miss my ted talk but um
0: oh wait wait when so wait. i do, do have know, a ted right? talk
1: coming out i do have a ted talk coming out april 11th um that's gonna stream live on youtube and um you i can share the link with you, you later it. what's that
0: did i launch it before or after the ted talk or the thing- oh
1: no it's it's already been recorded oh. um because of the pandemic it's already been recorded but they're going to, they're going to play them all live in their own version on Sunday, the 11th, but I'll send you the link, but, um, it will be launched eventually on the Ted website in a couple of months, but, um, because they'll take it down after the 11th and then they'll, they'll launch it live, but it is titled living with a courageous heart. And it does speak about my story, uh, with adversity and values through my twenties, um, specifically 25 to 30. And, uh, But yeah, if you want to find me, LinkedIn is one of my places that I'm always at under my name. You can find me there and you can find me on Instagram at uh, AtomicMornings.io and I am Matt Gagnon, it's pronounced Gagnon. So I am Matt Gagnon and those are the two places you can definitely find me Um, and DM me if you want to be a part of Atomic Mornings. Again, it's a premium one-on-one coaching experience that really works with high achievers, entrepreneurs, executives. And we find a way to really kick some ass with your mornings and create some routines, especially even if you've been an existing morning person, we'll get you back on track again in life, because it happens, we fall off track. And sometimes you need just somebody there to give you a new perspective and a new set of eyes on things to get you where you're going again. But I guarantee you, uh, it's a hell of an experience. So shoot me a DM on that, contact me, and uh, I'd love to discuss uh, what I can do. Um, april's booked solid and may is almost full so please reach out
0: yeah everyone's routine probably all over the place so demand is high supply is just one so better go and check um so yeah hope everyone enjoyed the episode and until next time so you just listened to another awesome episode and i would say go and listen to another one but no don't even think about listening to another episode. Go and take action now. And if you want to share with me what you did, then feel free to tag me on a post on Instagram at presence underscore it starts with action. And yeah, until next time, guys. And remember, it starts with action.